Kia ora. Welcome to the Coronavirus Podcast. My name's Janella, and um, I had a surgery that was delayed by uh, COVID-19. I just had it today, and I'm feeling great. That's awesome, Janella, and you're sounding well. We wish you all the best for your recovery. It's lovely to hear from you. Kia ora, I'm Indira Stewart. Welcome to the RNZ Coronavirus Podcast. If you haven't sent in your own intro yet, do it today. We love hearing what you've been up to. You can send them through RNZ's Vox Pop app. It's free to download on iPhone and Android, and it's really easy to use. Later this episode, we'll be hearing from Chris Roberts, the head of the Tourism Industry Association, about what the future holds for the industry, which has been hit harder by COVID-19 than any other. But first, let's get to the headlines. Yesterday, we hit a big milestone in our journey. Today, we have no new cases of COVID-19 to report. Now, this is something worth celebrating, but it's not the finish line. Remember, it can take five to six days for COVID-19 symptoms to appear, which means yesterday's test results show us what was happening in the final days of the Level 4 lockdown. Our Director General of Health, Ashley Bloomfield, says the next hurdle comes later this week when we find out if the shift to Level 3 has sparked an increase in cases. So that's when we will have an indication if there are any new cases coming through that might be emerging in the community uh, as a result of our shift from Level 4 to Level 3. The announcement of no new cases brought some calls for the country to move down to Level 2 early. But Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern said the government was still determined to stick to at least two full weeks of Level 3. I'm a perfectionist. I want to see those numbers after we've been in Alert Level 3 long enough for it to be a reflection of Alert Level 3. And so at the moment what we're seeing is all of the good work New Zealanders put in to the lockdown. Uh, This is the waiting room. This is where we check if we're recovering well and that we've got it right. We need a few more days to check we have. Ms Adun says the Cabinet will meet on Monday next week to decide when the move to Level 2 will happen. We need every day between now and next Monday to know for sure that we succeeded in locking in the gains of Level 4, recovered effectively in our waiting room of Level 3 and are in the position to move down again and give New Zealanders back greater freedoms. In making our decision, we will be assessing if there have been low to no cases for several days preceding. It will mean knowing where every new case over the past two weeks has come from. It will mean ongoing evidence and confidence of no widespread community transmission. So we need to not get ahead of ourselves, stick to our bubble, and to finish the job that we've started. Ms Adun also announced she had accepted an invitation to join an online cabinet meeting with Australian Prime Minister Scott Morrison today to discuss setting up a trans-Tasman travel bubble. It's fair to say there are significant advantages for New Zealand in terms of a trans-Tasman bubble, not only, uh, of course, Um, domestic tourism, but equally we have a flow of uh, people travelling between both countries uh, for business purposes, trade and and so on. So it is to our advantage, but equally I will say that Pierre Morrison has equally articulated huge advantage for New Zealand uh, from Australia from our travel opening up to them as well. But Jacinda Ardern says they haven't yet considered widening the trans-Tasman bubble to include Pacific Island nations. 
there would be uh, obviously particularly advantage for our Pacific Island neighbours, but that's a conversation we'd need to have directly um, with them. There is huge risk if COVID finds its way currently into Pacific Island nations that have been untouched by COVID. So I would want us to act cautiously and in unison uh, with the leaders of those countries. Dr Bloomfield and Jacinda Ardern also both faced questions about a High Court ruling which overrode a decision by the Ministry of Health to block a man from leaving quarantine to visit his dying father. Oliver Christensen had arrived from the UK to visit his father who was dying from brain cancer but the ministry refused to allow him to cut his 14-day isolation short to allow him to see his father before he died. Mr Christensen's lawyer Simon Foote says he was able to spend 36 hours with his dad and was now back in quarantine. His father died on Sunday. Mr Foote told RNZ's reporter Anand Zaki that the ministry had failed to properly consider granting his client an exemption on compassionate grounds. Oliver was uh, not symptomatic. He was placed in a low-risk managed isolation facility and he was seeking um, permission from the ministry to visit uh, his father at his father's home. Uh, So he wasn't uh, it wasn't required that he needed entry into some into a medical facility, um, for example. Some would argue this is a major health crisis and hard rules are necessary. What are your thoughts on that? Well, it's undoubtedly a major health crisis, but that doesn't mean that hard rules um, must apply. In fact, I think it um, means the opposite, that we need to... Uh, or, or the officials need to have an open mind to all the frankly, unexpected uh, circumstances that can crop up from time to time. Now Jacinda Ardern says she has been briefed on the case and she expects the Ministry of Health will take a closer look at its protocols for compassionate exemptions. I think reading the judgment, it suggests that actually it was um, the sense that it was whether or not um, the individual circumstances were taken into account rather than an automated process having been applied. Now really my expectation is that the Ministry of Health will look at that judgment uh, and then assess the way that they've been applying the policy in the future. COVID-19 has left the New Zealand tourism industry reeling, particularly further south in places like Queenstown, which rely heavily on overseas tourists. Well, a travel bubble with Australia might help matters, but many businesses are now looking at how to reorient themselves to target domestic tourists once we get down below level two. I asked Tourism Industry Aotearoa's Chief Executive Chris Roberts how his organisation is handling the crisis. Certainly we're as busy as ever, um, possibly more busy than ever. There's a lot to be dealt with across the industry. It's the most hard hit of any sector. Right now, our members are really wanting to know what government assistance there is going to be after the wage subsidy ends, after its 12-week period. To simplify it, they have three options. One is to close down. One is to hibernate, um, reduce their costs as far as possible and be ready to re-emerge. And the third is to carry on trading in a limited form if we do see a, a return quite soon to domestic tourism. So businesses are looking for very early signals now on, on what may lie ahead to inform those, those hard decisions they're having to take. 
When it comes to a biggest shift to domestic tourism, how can businesses attract Kiwi tourists and how do they need to adapt their marketing? Well, most tourism businesses attract Kiwis already and domestic tourism is 58% of the total uh, tourism spend in New Zealand. Tourism prior to all this was worth uh, about $42 billion a year in New Zealand approaching $18 billion from international visitors, but $24 billion of that was generated by New Zealanders travelling and spending around their own country. And so for a lot of tourism businesses, they're well used to looking after the domestic visitor. And many regions are mostly domestic focused. They just have to be able to reconnect with those domestic visitors. But there are some businesses and some of our key businesses and some of our key locations which have been far more focused on looking after the international visitors. And for them, you know, there are harder challenges. Um, They have to pivot from the international to the domestic, look at their product. Is it suitable for a domestic audience? What do they need to change about it? How do they need to market it? And what do they need to do to change the attitude of New Zealanders towards some of those products that were traditionally seen as more attractive to the international visitor? Domestic tourism is worth $23 billion a year to our country's economy. And the TIA, you, you guys aim to boost that to $27 billion by 2025. But in the wake of COVID-19 and the impacts to New Zealand's economy, people losing jobs, is that realistic now? No, it's not realistic at all. Uh, we're back to ground zero. Tourism's been incredibly successful for the last five or six years. It's almost doubled in terms of its contribution to the New Zealand economy. And all that has been wiped out in a matter of weeks. So we're no longer able to uh, chase those, those targets that were quite achievable only a few months ago. Going from an industry worth around $41, $42 billion in total, in the next 12 months, we could be down to an industry worth 10 billion dollars. That's a $30 billion disappearance from the New Zealand economy. That's how severe this impact is. It's a very different challenge now. It's about um, saving as many businesses as we can and then slowly rebuilding. A lot of businesses now, they have to rethink their strategies. Are there different approaches that they should take depending on whether they sit at the higher luxury end versus catering to the backpackers? It's all about knowing your market and where you may be able to get a customer from. It's not so much um, whether it's a backpacker or someone flying in on a private jet. Is that market going to be available to you? If it's not going to be available in the short term or even the medium term, who else might be attracted to your product? And these are the sort of discussions that every tourism business is having at the moment. They really need to think about these things very, very carefully. It's not just a matter of saying, my product is for this part of the market or this nationality or this type of visitor, and I'll just wait until that market comes back. It may be that market doesn't come back, and so you may have to target someone else. In the short term, what domestic visitors can I attract? If I was previously attracting German backpackers, What sort of New Zealanders might be attracted to the same product? If I was previously attracting American luxury lodge visitors, what New Zealanders might now come to my luxury lodge? So whatever sector of tourism you're in, you you need to be thinking about where can I get some customers in the next few months 
quite likely it won't be where you got your customers from before. Do you have any indication on what Kiwis are generally interested in when it comes to domestic travel and tourism? We know everything about the international visitors because our good friends at Tourism New Zealand have long run surveys overseas. They have a database called the Active Considerer Database, which tells them everything about people who have considered a visit to New Zealand and what might attract them to get on a plane and come here. They have excellent information about how to attract people to New Zealand and what they're looking to do when they come here. We don't have the same information about New Zealanders and the domestic market. We've done some work as TIA to try and understand that in the last few years, and we have an online tool made available to the industry called Digit, which provides some segmentation and, and based on some research we did with Colmar Brunton on what New Zealanders want from a holiday, everything from the people who want a weekend away to reward themselves for a an achievement at work to the people who are going away on a family holiday and school holidays. We have some idea what people are looking for in New Zealand, but we also know now we need to understand the domestic market much, much more. And also in these particular circumstances that face us, New Zealanders won't be able to get on a plane and go anywhere in the immediate future overseas for a holiday. So if New Zealanders can't holiday overseas, can we attract them to have a holiday in New Zealand? And if it's a substitute for an overseas holiday, what does that holiday in New Zealand now look like? Say as an example, the family that wanted to go to the Gold Coast and and visit the theme parks and have a family holiday over there, what might they do in New Zealand instead? Might they actually go to Queenstown or Rotorua and do a whole lot of the adventure activities that are available right here at New Zealand? How are places like Queenstown going to have to change and adapt to the hit that the industry has taken now, especially considering it's a hotspot for international tourists? There's a huge challenge for a number of specific locations, and I think everyone can visualise what the challenge is for, for Queenstown, you know, one of the great international destinations in the world. And it's gone from dealing with pressures arising from its popularity to having no international visitors Uh, and the particular challenge of having thousands of overseas workers uh, in Queenstown who um, have no means of support if they've lost their jobs. So Queenstown's got a a real big issue, but it does have a strong domestic market. Once travel restrictions are lifted, every Kiwi should visit Queenstown, that whole region, right through to Fiordland. It's a spectacular part of New Zealand, and um, we should all visit it. Uh, But there are other parts of New Zealand that will be hurting as well that have a higher reliance on the international visitor. Uh, Poor old Kaikoura, just getting over the impact of the earthquakes now without those international visitors. Tekapo and and, and around the Mackenzie country, which has seen the fantastic growth in tourism, is now that's gone. The west coast of the South Island, dealt blow after blow by flooding and weather-related issues and, and now missing their international tourists. A lot of other small locations around the country that are really going to need New Zealanders to give them a helping hand. That's the, the one thing New Zealanders can do. Again, once, once some of the existing restrictions are lifted, go to a location in New Zealand, have a fantastic holiday and spend some money with those local businesses, support those local jobs because they're going to be doing it really, really hard. Once international borders do open again, do you think businesses should go back to their previous ways of operating to accommodate international tourists or will they need to possibly now strike a balance so that they can continue to attract local spend as well? Look, there is no going back 
to what we had before. It seems strange to say that because January was a fairly normal summer and then everything's fallen off a cliff. Tourism in the future will be quite different to what tourism was in the past. There's an opportunity that comes with that as well as a huge challenge. Um, we can fix some of the issues that were starting to arise here and which were global issues. Uh, the term over-tourism has appeared in the last few years. And there was, even here in New Zealand, pressure on some of our most popular spots because of the success of tourism. We don't want to go back and repeat um, any of the mistakes made in the past. While we want tourism to rebound and we, we have to focus on getting tourists back, we also have an opportunity to fix some of the problems. We need smart ways of working in the future, avoiding congestion at some of our most popular spots, getting the infrastructure in place that actually supports tourism, both New Zealanders and international. And definitely for any tourism business, they need to be diversified. You know, reliance on just one market is just too risky. Every business should be looking to see if they can serve the domestic market because you know, New Zealanders aren't going anywhere. They will be available to enjoy your, your tourism products. So all businesses will have to look uh, to the domestic market. We're going to see many, many more businesses go under, unfortunately. We're going to see thousands of tourism workers put out of work. There's going to be an enormous amount of pain, but this is also an industry that is passionate and optimistic. And we know, talking to our members, they're determined not to throw in the towel. They want to come back. So even if they have to close their businesses down now, almost everyone wants to open the doors again when they can. We will rebuild a fantastic tourism industry for New Zealand. That was Chris Roberts, Head of Tourism Industry Aotearoa. That's all from us this episode. We'll be back tomorrow. Take care. Kia homaru, kia kaha. Ka kite koe a popo. The Coronavirus Podcast is presented by me, Indira Stewart. It's produced by William Ray, Jesse Chang, Sonia Sly and Katie Gossett. Our sound engineer is Adrian Holley and the executive producer is Tim Watkin. You can subscribe to the Coronavirus Podcast anywhere and it's free. Just go to the podcast and series page at rnz.co.nz. 